we have been misled with our diet, like how we should be eating. Oh my God, my kid has to have a glass of milk. They, they need their calcium. No, they do not need their calcium from milk. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 232. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, veggie lovers, welcome to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have Debbie Adler, who is a plant-based chef and the award-winning author of many cookbooks, actually. So she has a critically acclaimed cookbook called Sweet, Savory, and Free, and another one called Sweet Debbie's Organic Treats. But today, we are going to be talking about her newest cookbook, The Mediterranean Plate. They're all whole food, plant-based, and free of oil and sugar. So you're going to be really interested in hearing how she has developed these recipes and why. So she also is a plant-based cooking and baking instructor, and she has popular online courses like Plant Powerful Life GPS and Quintessential Health 360. And her courses have been taken by hundreds of students worldwide. So in this episode, we talk about how she discovered a whole food plant-based diet and what made her more aware of some of the risks of casein and why she started making her delicious treats. And we talk about her new book, The Mediterranean Plate, how she developed the recipes, how long it took her, and what her go-to meals are, and also what she serves her guests. So if you love Mediterranean cooking and you want more recipes, and especially recipes that are whole food plant-based and free of sugar and oil, then check out The Mediterranean Plate by Debbie Adler, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Debbie Adler, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much. Well, it's so nice to have you, and it was very nice to go through your newest cookbook. But before we get into that, I would love to hear more about how you discovered a plant-based diet and what prompted you to adopt one for yourself. Well, this journey started about 16 years ago. I was hungry for a cupcake that didn't have sugar in it. And it didn't exist. At the time, there was nothing on the market that didn't have sucralose that was sugar-free. So that led me to having to figure this out for myself. Now, I was not necessarily considered a baker. I didn't really spend that much time in the kitchen, but my sweet tooth drove me to the kitchen. I figured it out. 
And people were, people I knew, my friends were very, very excited about it. Oh, you have to start a bakery. And I did. I started my bakery, Sweet Debbie's, uh, in 2006. And it was vegan and sugar-free. I was vegan, by the way, at, at that time. Not, not whole food plant-based. I really didn't know what that was, never heard of it. I was vegan. And then this bakery that I started was sugar-free as well. And then two years later, my son was born with severe and life-threatening food allergies. And um, it, it turned out he was, one of his allergies was casein, which is the protein found in milk. And I, I just couldn't understand what was going on, why, why, and I, I did a lot of research. There were so many kids in, in, in the United States alone that had these allergies. Why are these children being born with these food allergies? I did a lot of research. I was pointed in the direction of the China study. And in the China study, they used the protein casein as the protein they gave to people who were in the study to see the effects on, on their health. And it turned out that casein is not good for anybody, let alone somebody who is allergic to it. And of course, in that book, this is by Dr. T. Colin Campbell, the conclusion was that a whole food plant-based diet is, is the healthiest diet to, um, the healthiest lifestyle to pursue, to uh, reverse and prevent disease and, and to just be, be at your best. And I was convinced just by reading the book, I, I, I didn't. And, and so what I added, so that was my discovery uh, was that was in 2009 of the China study. And I went right after that, I found out about the nutrition uh, healthcare conference in um, Anaheim, where I went to meet Dr. Campbell and speak to him personally. He was speaking, Dr. Esselstyn was speaking, Dr. Greger, and the proof, the, the they had their patients on the stage saying they were uh, a day away from bypass surgery. They went on a whole food plant-based diet and they didn't have to have the surgery. I was, I was elated. I thought this was the best thing that, that anybody could pursue that, that you have to be out of your mind not to eat this way. I mean, who wouldn't want to prevent disease if you can? And so that was my entree to the uh, hofu plant base. I started to cook that way at home. And then a year after reading the China study, the publisher of the China study published my book. This was my second book, Sweet, Savory, and Free. It was hofu plant based and allergy free, which is uh, free of the top eight food allergens. And um, that was it. That was my entree into that space. Wow, that's an incredible story. But you said you were already vegan in 2006. So how long have you been vegan? And why, why were you vegan? What, what, what prompted you to become vegan? And how old were you when you became vegan? I just never liked meat. I, I just, it wasn't for me. I, I, it wasn't um, until recently that it was for you know, the animals, I, I've become more empathetic to that reason more recently. But at the beginning, I just never liked meat. It wasn't anything I desired to eat. So I just never ate it. It wasn't a big, you know, revelation. It was just I never liked it. I mean, my mom served it. But I just um, never really liked it. That was all. And then when you had your son, you were, he was eating everything, it sounds like. So you were raising him omnivorous. Yeah. 
he, he's omnivorous and I, I don't like to make a big deal. My, my husband and I are whole food plant-based and my, my son can eat, you know, whatever he wants because I don't like to make a big deal out of food. You know, um, he had enough with the food allergies for 10 <laughs> years. He was, we were very restricted um, in terms of what we could do. We couldn't go to restaurants. We couldn't go on planes. And um, when he was 10, this is four years ago, um, he got enrolled in a study at uh, it was it was in conjunction with Stanford and UCLA that it was a protocol where they were able to desensitize kids to their food allergies by giving them a little bit of protein, a little bit of the uh, proteins, and they did it. Um, it was a multi-allergen study, so they were able to desensitize my son to five of his allergens, which was a, a, such a big relief, and he's now still able to eat those allergens. So it's not, we can go to restaurants. It's, it's so, um, so food has always been an issue. I don't like to make it an issue. He can make his own decisions about food when he's older, but I, you know, he knows what I do and he eats my food, but he also eats other things that he wants to eat. And I don't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. No, I was just curious because since you had already been on the vegan road, I was just curious what prompted you at the beginning. And then once you had your son, it sounds like that wasn't something that was important to you for your son. And that's how you discovered that he had the casein allergy. So I was just trying to yeah. clarify that. But that's fantastic yeah. that he that they were able to desensitize him of five allergies, because obviously living with food allergies um, is a big deal. And it's very stressful and anxiety provoking. And of course, yes. life threatening, kind of already sort of answered this question, because I'm always curious about how people feel and if they label themselves and identify themselves. So would you consider yourself vegan now? Or do you use that label at all? I do. I, I am vegan. I, I am vegan. I, I when I write it, uh, I don't go around saying oh, I'm vegan, whole food, plant based. But when I write it, if I'm uh, writing a, a post on social media or, or or to my email followers, I say vegan slash whole food, plant based. So they're clear that it's 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 vegan because people get confused about whole food, plant based. Oh, but does that mean I could still have so, you know, whatever they say, and it's not vegan. So I always say vegan slash whole food plant-based. So that incorporates both the vegan aspect and the whole food plant-based aspect, which is no sugar, no salt, no oil. And have you always loved to cook? How did you become a chef? I didn't um, always love to cook. I, <laughs> I did it by necessity because like I said, I was hungry and I wanted certain things a certain way. And that forced me to go into the kitchen and then just by doing it over and over and then figuring things out for myself in a very unique way because of my son's allergies, um, I, I just became <laughs> a, a chef by trial and error and then doing it for other people. And that became my career. And that was not my career. I was a, I was a CPA. And so this was a very unusual uh, transition, but I, like I always joke, I went through the alphabet. <laughs> I went from A, accountant, B, I don't even know what that was, to C, you know, a chef. And I, I have a post that I, I send out once in a while to my followers about that I went through the entire alphabet with all the jobs that I've had. <laughs> so 
um, this was just something that happened because of my life. It wasn't like, oh, I always wanted to be a chef. It's just now I do it. I do it for other people. I, I have a bakery still and we, we ship, you know, all these vegan whole food plant-based treats. So it just, that, that's just what happened. It wasn't really a plan. Well, I think sometimes that's the best way, right? Because whenever it comes from a desire and a passion and you can see that other people are attracted to it, then sometimes it's more successful that way. But yeah, that, that was one of my questions is whether the bakery was still open and were you surprised about the success of the bakery and the cupcakes and, and all of that at the beginning? Yeah, I, I, I was. You know, sometimes when you are passionate about something like my passion was sugar-free vegan treats it, sometimes you don't really know how it's going to play with other people because you think you're the only one in the world that wants sugar-free vegan treats but of course you know being that all my friends were saying no 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 it's good and you know i'm in la so every you know a lot of people are healthy so um yeah i was surprised but then when you think about it maybe it wasn't such a surprise because there's, there's a lot of health conscious people out here so um, yeah, you're always happy when things that you think are going to be good actually become successful because then it validates your idea. So yeah, it, it was a surprise, but it was also, it made sense. That's really cool. All right. So tell me about your latest book, the Mediterranean plate cookbook. How did that come about? Well, I always ask my followers, what do you want from me? What do you want? What, what's, what, what are you craving? And a lot of them said, well, how do you do Mediterranean? Cause a lot of people like Mediterranean food and they always think Mediterranean food includes oil and, you know, olive oil and fish and meat. And, um, they, they don't really know how to do it other than with those ingredients and, or you know, cheese. So they were saying, yeah, Mediterranean. I thought, okay, you know, maybe that's my next thing. So I started uh, in 2020, uh, you know, during the pandemic to figure this out. It took a long time, you know, like, cause it's first coming out now. So it was two and a half years of figuring out, well, how do you do Mediterranean food without meat, without olive oil, without fish? And that was my, um, you know, uh, that, that's how I started with, with the feedback I was getting. And then I was into it too. It's delicious, it's delicious food. You know, who, who doesn't want moussaka and, and, and pasta and all these delicious dishes. So I figured that out. I, I tried to use dishes that people really love. I tried to, you know, not anything that you never heard of, but the things that people love that I, I could make plant-based for them. There's lots of beautiful pictures in the cookbook, so it's very approachable and yeah. it, it looks very inviting. But I agree. I think that when people think of Mediterranean, the very first thing that people usually think of is olive oil. And, you know, it's been this big push for olive oil. And, you know, the studies are kind of mixed on the whole oil thing. But people want to eat oil because it's pleasurable and it's a high calorie density food. So uh -huh. what has been the reception so far with the recipes? And you've been cooking without oil pretty much the whole time since you started doing the whole food plant-based foods. So do you hear people comment on the lack of oil or are the recipes just so delicious that people don't even miss it? No, nobody misses the oil. Nobody misses the cholesterol. It's very uh, delicious and nobody ever, you know, even when I have dinner parties, 
I don't even talk about it being whole food plant-based. People, omnivores just eat and they go up for seconds and thirds and sometimes fourths. And then that tells me, no, they're not missing anything. Because listen, even if they were just being polite, okay, they would have their plate and they would stop. But it is it is so delicious that they 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 crave another another portion. And so that tells me nobody is missing the things that people think they're going to miss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super important. I agree. I think that sometimes people think that they're going to miss it in their heads. But until you show them how delicious it can be without it, you know, they don't mm -hmm. know. So that's why it's important right. to try these different recipes. Well, you know, you said you went from being an accountant to being a chef, and that's very different ways to use your brain, right? So being a chef, being a recipe creator is an art, and it calls for a lot of creativity. So I'm really curious to know about your process for recipe creation. How long does it usually take you to create a new recipe? Like what steps do you take? How many taste testers do you have? Does your family get so tired of all these recipes that you're trying? Tell me a little bit about that. That's an interesting question because I don't really have a technique for developing recipes. I just start with what I think, you know, I want to make, what what I think that will be something very popular and I see what it would be conventionally first. And then I start to substitute, well, I'm not going to use that. So what would I use instead? And that's how I do it. It's sort of a, like a game, like a puzzle, like, okay, what am I? Okay. Calls for oil. How am I going to substitute that? I'm not using oil. I'm going to use carrot juice or, um, oh, oh, moussaka has feta cheese. Okay. How, how would I make a whole food plant-based feta cheese? Oh, okay. I'll use tofu and I'll marinate it and with infuse it with, you know, with, with, um, herbs and spices. So it's more like a puzzle of figuring out where I can make things whole food plant-based, whereas the conventional way of making it would not be. Is there a recipe that you can think of that frustrated you the most that you had to make several times before you were happy with it? Um, I would say the biggest pain in the butt recipe was my red velvet cupcakes because that was in my first book, Sweet Debbie's Organic Treats, because I'll, ne I'll just never forget that experience because I was intent on not using the red dye. Did not want to use red dye. Everyone uses red dye. And the problem is if you use beets, they turn brown in the oven. When you heat beets, they turn brown. So then your red velvet cupcakes are going to be brown. They're not going to be red. That was my biggest challenge. I had, I had to do that recipe hundreds of times and it was really, you know, to the point where I was crying, but I was determined because I wanted to give people red velvet cupcakes without red dye. That was my purpose in life at the time. And I figured it out. It had to do with the acidity of the beets. And if you can get it to a certain acidity, they don't turn brown. So it was a matter of getting in enough lemon juice to make them stay red. And I figured it out. And that that recipe is in my first book. I will never forget that. <laughs> well, congratulations. You earned that one, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if lemon juice would work, but it looks like you figured it out for all of us so we don't have to go through that whole process again. 
Well, what's your favorite recipe in this book in the Mediterranean plate? Well, I keep mentioning the moussaka probably because it is my favorite recipe. It has a mushroom bechamel on top. And I think if you put mushroom bechamel on anything, everyone's going to love it. So it's like a, a, the moussaka is a an eggplant sort of lasagna, you know, or maybe a shepherd's pie. I don't, I don't know exactly how to describe it. So layers of eggplant, lentils take the place of the meat. Then I top it with a... Um, a half cauliflower, half russet potato, mashed potato. So it's half cauliflower, half russet. So you're getting the cauliflower and the potato as the mashed potato. And then that is topped with the mushroom bechamel, which is a creamy sauce that tops the whole thing. It's it's luxurious. It is that it sounds has amazing. To be my favorite. And it's great for the holidays. Yeah, I had a vegan moussaka when I was in Greece a few years ago, and it was so amazing. Oh. But it's moussaka is already such a comforting, warm dish, you know, and so making it vegan, I think, I believe elevates the whole thing because then you have even more, you know, nourishing, comforting, kind of hearty elements to it, especially putting in the legumes and everything in there. So very cool. All right. Well, what are your go-to meals throughout the day? How do you eat? Well, that's, you know, it's funny because I don't normally eat a typical breakfast. It's like leftovers from the night before. I, you know, and it's not even breakfast. It's like, I'm not even that hungry in the morning. So I'll typically have my first meal at around 11, 30, 12, which is like I just said, leftovers from the night before. And so that's like a savory dish or it could be a salad with toppings. I love interesting toppings like vegan sushi on top of my salad or um, like a granola mix on top of my salad. And that is my first meal of the day. So it's a savory uh, type of meal. And then later on in the day, I'll have a, you know, uh, an early dinner uh, with my family. And, uh, you know, that could be anything. It's, it's you know, <laughs> like a maybe a Thai. I like ethnic food. So, you know, and it's easy to put vegetables into ethnic dishes like Thai food is, is so easy and Chinese food. It's so easy to just throw in a bunch of vegetables with a nice sauce and then a grain. And it's an easy type of uh, meal anyway. So those tend to be the things that I eat during the day. And then I'm always drinking tea. I love matcha. Um, so, you know, just throughout the day, I like that. And treats, of course, I always have treats in the freezer. So I'm always, you know, noshing on treats. <laughs> I love it. I know I, I saw on your website that one of the things that you're focusing on more recently is longevity. So do you feel that you align your lifestyle and your habits for longevity specifically? Yeah, I do. Um, it's, I, I, I think it's just a natural extension of eating and living this way. It's not something I, I obsess about, but it's just a natural extension of, well, yeah, I'm, you know, older and yeah, I, I would like to feel more energetic and, and, you know, uh, live a healthy life. My son is only 14, so I still would like to see him uh, get through life and, you know, I want to be there for him. So, yeah, so that's always in the back of my mind. And as a matter of fact, in the book, 
I talk about the 18 anti-aging foods that have been proven scientifically to help with that, you know, whether it's your skin or inside to, 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 to stay healthy. So I, um, I do, I do think about that a lot. I, I just turned 60. So I, obviously anybody at this age would start thinking, you start to think about your mortality and how, how you can maybe not get sick as you age. So that becomes more of a, um, a goal in, in your everyday living, at least with me. Yeah, I love it. No, I'm super fascinated and interested in longevity. So that's something that I talk about a lot on the podcast and yeah. learn as much as I can about it. Earlier, you talked about feeding guests. So what is your go-to favorite plant-based meal to wow your omnivorous guests? Do you have a specific one that you like to pull out or do you like to experiment on your guests? So I have this really bad habit of I like to try something new every time I have guests over. So I use my guests as guinea pigs. What do you do uh, usually? Yeah, um, I, you know, you, I, I do that too, but that is just maybe, let's say I'll try one thing on guests that I want to see how it goes, but I always like to have a safe thing just in case. So my go-to for guests is my muhammara, which is a, um, sort of a Syrian uh, dish. It's like a red bell pepper spread that it's sort of like hummus, but it's made with red bell pepper instead of the garbanzo beans. It is out of this world delicious. If, if you've never tried it, it is out of the, it's like a sweet, savory, uh, you know, you could dip bread and crackers and crudite, whatever you want, or just put it on top of a salad. So I always serve that when I have guests because I know that is going to be a crowd pleaser. And usually one guest will just like, almost eat the whole thing because like once you start, you can't stop. You can't help it. So I always have the muhamara. That's a staple. And then I guess depending on who it is, I'll make a variety of dishes, you know, like a... Um, I have a really good everything bagel potato salad. So I use the everything bagel seasoning with little potatoes and I make a really delicious comforting salad out of that. So I always do that, um, like a maybe another, another type of salad with grains and, and, you know, just put big things together so that it's, it's good for a large crowd. And, you know, the sky's the limit. I just go through my books and I see, oh, I haven't made that in a while. Let me make that. Because sometimes you forget what you even created. And then you go back and say, oh, I, I'm going to make that. So it always depends. I love it. I love muhamara. Love, love, love muhamara. It's so delicious. And I love, like you were saying, that it does have the sweet elements, the savory, and sometimes some versions a little smoky too, which I really love. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen 
grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. What do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that <laughs> that protein is in every food you eat. It is not just in meat. It is not just in fish. It is in every food you eat. And by the way, meat and meat does not give you the protein. This is the biggest fallacy about the way we have been taught about food. There is actually no protein in meat other than the grass that the cow has eaten. So you're getting the protein from the cow because the cow was smart enough to eat the grass. So there, there is only protein in vegetables, grains, legumes, tofu, uh, you know, vegetables, fruits, and 
nothing in the meat itself. So if people understood that, I think they would get over this. Well, how, this is the biggest question I get. How, how am I going to get my protein? Oh my God, I have to have protein. And so, no, I'm patient with every question, but, but I'm, I'm frustrated because we have been misled. The, the American people, maybe the world have been misled with our diet, like how we should be eating. Oh my God, my kid has to have a glass of milk. They, they need their calcium. No, they do not need their calcium from milk. Actually, they're not getting calcium from milk. It actually leaches calcium from your bones. So if people understood that, but they don't because we see those signs on the billboards, got milk, you know, we're, we're so, we're so um, brainwashed into thinking we need milk to get our calcium, it does the opposite. I wish people knew that because people are literally killing themselves because we have been misled. And that, and that is what I wish people knew. I love it. Amen. <laughs> no, for real though, it is very um, difficult in our society because we have been taught these concepts over and over and over again. And most people don't really, even if you ask them specifically, they're concerned about a certain macronutrient, but they're very unclear about that macronutrient. They just, they just know to be concerned about it. But then after that, it's a little bit murky and confusing. So a lot of education does need to be done. And milk has been romanticized for so long, but I will say that people are, are learning more about it and now that we have so many alternatives and it's easier for people to have creamy, milky things without cow's milk, I think it's becoming easier for people to hear the message because it's also nice to be reassured about something that you want to eat, right? So milk and cheese and ice cream, very highly consumed food because it's high in fat and it's delicious. And so if you hear, oh yeah, you should be eating that three to four times a day. Yeah, we're going to be happy about it. We're going to remember that. Same thing if we think we need to eat meat, which mostly for people is going to be hamburgers and bacon and stuff like that. They're like, oh, well, I'm just getting my protein, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we just, we like to hear those messages because it reassures us about things that are very delicious to us. I would love to know about your morning routine. Do you have one? If so, can you share it with us? Yeah, um, I, I usually like to, I, I mentioned before, make my matcha tea in the morning. So what I, what that includes, and this is, you know, it's, it's, it's a ritual. So it's, you know, it's very specific. So I make my, I make my almond milk or cashew milk, depending on what I'm in the mood for. So I make that from scratch, which is a medjool date with, um, you know, maybe, uh, a cup or maybe a little less of the almonds or the cashews and then three cups of water. So I make that first in my Vitamix. Then I have that. So that's my milk. And, and that's for like the next few days. It goes bad pretty quickly. So that's maybe for two or three days. Then I make my matcha, which is a matcha green powder. And I mix that with some hot water and then the milk that I just made, either the almond milk or the cashew milk. And I also add an extra date and I mix it in my blender and it becomes frothy and delicious. And that just sets the whole morning up for me. It's delicious. So I feel good. I don't like to deprive myself necessarily. Uh, you know, people think they have to, you know, <laughs> deprive themselves of things that 
I cannot do. I don't know why people would, but, but I hear that all the time. Well, I don't do that. Like, why not? If you like it, do it. I mean, I'm not saying if it's bacon, but I'm saying, you know, in a, in a healthy way, you know, do what you love and then you can be happy because I think the problem with deprivation is it's not sustainable because then you just, you're miserable and, and that's not good. Um, so anyway, going back to my ritual. So that's my, you know, first thing. And then, um, I'm not a big exercise person in the morning. Um, that, that comes later in the day. So I'm not going to just like start exercising, but I'll do that later. Like around four, I'll do yoga, have a mat and do my exercises. And then I, another ritual is, um, I, I go into, you know, different rooms have different purposes, but I also make each room purposeful for an activity that is sort of like an exercise. So even though I don't love to stand and, and, you know, in front of the YouTube and, and do an hour worth of exercise, I like to use each room. Oh, I'm in the kitchen. I'll do some burpees. Oh, I, oh, I'm in the bathroom. I'm going to do some jumping jacks before I leave the bathroom. Oh, I, I needed something in the bedroom. Oh, let me do some sit-ups. And so that becomes part of my daily ritual. I know you said morning ritual, but this is sort of like a daily ritual where I'm using each room to do a different type of exercise so that at least I'm exercising throughout the day because I'm not like the biggest, oh, I have to go to the gym kind of person. I, I don't. I don't go to the gym. So I do it in a way that is fun for me. And then I do it because if you don't enjoy it, it's not going to be sustainable. So, so I guess the morning ritual is, is the, is the matcha tea and then just, you know, um, maybe a little meditation going outside, walking my dog and then starting work. I love it. That's a super cool idea about having like a cue and a trigger for each room. I've never heard anybody say that before or do that before. But I will say, if I had to do burpees every time I went to the kitchen, that would <laughs> definitely decrease my eating because I do not like burpees. So maybe that's a good idea. Yeah, I, should, yeah. I should start making burpees the kitchen thing. I would not be getting in the kitchen very often. Yeah, yeah I don't blame <laughs> so, you. Yeah. I could do push-ups in the kitchen. I'm fine with that one, but not burpees. That's, that's really cool. I like that. And that's a good way to get your activity in throughout the day, which we know that people in the blue zones, that's how they do it too. They're not going to gyms either. They're not trying to go pump iron. They're just living their lives. They're getting up and down. They're gardening. They're walking up and down hills to do their chores. And so they're moving all throughout the day instead of having these long periods of being sedentary as typical Americans are, unfortunately. Okay, this is great. One last question about your bakery, since it's still open. What is the best-selling item at your bakery? The best-selling item at my bakery is my trail mix chocolate chip granola bars. It has peanut butter in it, and it's, uh, I'm telling you, people just love these bars. It's the, the best seller of all time. And who knew, I, you know, like I said, sometimes you're just surprised by what people gravitate toward. And so that's it. Trail mix, chocolate chip, granola bars. Well, maybe it's also because it's delicious and it's a treat, but it doesn't feel overindulgent. You know how people don't feel comfortable probably eating cupcakes all the time, right? But we probably right. do feel comfortable eating 
granola bars all the time. So it's like, it's like a treat in a more acceptable, socially acceptable form of, you know, using it more often. Very cool. Well, Debbie, this has been a great conversation. Congratulations on all of your success. And I am so thankful that you've been writing these books and putting out these recipes for us. If you can tell us how listeners can connect with you and what services and products you offer. You can connect with me by emailing me um, at Debbie at DebbieAdler.tv. You can also go to my Instagram at plant.base.debbie.adler. I also have a website, www.debbieadler.tv, where you can sign up for 18 free recipes. You just opt in and you automatically get those recipes. And then if you get my new book, The Mediterranean Plate, then you can email me the receipt or, or the order, uh, a screenshot of it, and then I will give you a course, which is actually every single recipe on video with me showing you how to make it. So that's a free gift that you get when you purchase the Mediterranean plate. So just email me a screenshot at Debbie at DebbieAdler.tv. Okay, great. Now that's a that's an excellent deal, especially for people that are more visual and like to see the step-by-step. -step. Exactly. That's a fantastic deal. Yes. All right. Last question, Debbie, leave us with your number one tip for busy parents that want to create delicious and nutritious meals for their families. I would say to prep over the weekends because then you're organized for the week and you're not stressed. So I just, um, maybe on Saturday or Sunday or both take an hour or two to prepare a lot of certain things that I know I can use in the, in the meals and I do it on the weekends and it is, it, you make it fun. I mean, sometimes it could sound like a chore, but I make it fun by playing music, dancing in the kitchen while I'm doing it, maybe, you know, enlisting my son to help. And it's really a, a lifesaver, you know, for a busy parent when you're working, you come home, the last thing you want to do is think about what am I going to cook? So if you have it already prepared and all you have to do is warm it up, your life becomes so much easier. And that is my biggest tip. Prep on the weekends. Find maybe three recipes you want to make and then you can dole them out. It, it probably will last five days for the week and, and just dole it out, heat it up. Or if it's a salad, just scoop it out. It it, it, it's a life changer. It really is. You're speaking my love language. I 100% agree. And I've been trying to convince people to do this, whether it's batch cooking or meal prepping. It's just that you have to get over that hump of resistance, right? Your brain saying this is going to be too much work. I don't have the time. But when you do it, it saves you so much time. So you have to think of it as like a front end investment for the week because you have a little bit more time. You have a little bit more freedom on the weekend. During the week, you're going to be rushed and stressed. And the other thing I love about meal prepping or batch cooking is that it decreases the amount of dishes you have to do. So especially yes. on the weeknight when you're tired and you just want to eat and go relax, it's less stuff to clean up afterwards. You don't have a million pots and pans <sighs> everywhere. I'm the messiest cook in the world, so I get everything out. My husband, thankfully, mostly cleans up after me, so I'm lucky in that way. But it's nice to nobody has to do as much cleaning. 
All right, Debbie, this has been fantastic. Congratulations on your book. Thank you so much for writing it. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day. Thank you so much, Dr. Amy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.